Good evening. Good evening and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Atlas Live. We are your host, Atlas Alex, as always. And tonight, we are going to be, as promised, we're going to be taking a look at some of the core practices that we have previously discussed last week. And we're going to be taking a deeper dive into three of these core practices in particular, one in particular, but all three are required and, and the other two are, necess are uh, necessary. The practices that we're going to be looking at relate to the transformation of impressions. And we avoided using the word trans, the uh, expression transformation of impressions when we titled tonight's live stream. Because for most people, it's such an obscure topic. For most people, they've never even heard of it before. They don't know what it entails. And that is a tragedy. That is a real problem in the world today, especially among spiritual seekers and so-called aspirants. And we didn't want to entitle the, the, the live stream with a... Uh, what amounts to esoteric jargon that someone might not even might not even have an interest in watching transformation of life on the other hand most people on the esoteric path most self-styled spiritual aspirants and light workers and indigo children and you name it. They all seek to transform their life. And in the description to tonight's live stream, we stated how the popular belief is that if you want to transform your life, first you have to transform yourself. And there is tremendous wisdom in that. There is truth in that. We don't deny that. However, that axiom, that truism gets processed by the mind, gets processed by the, the personality and ultimately by the ego. And the personality and the ego mind believes that it can change and it and it can change and it will make changes it will alter programs it will alter conditioning and it will set up through discipline through practice through repetition through going cold turkey through any number of 
of methodologies, self-coercion, self-reward, i.e. the carrot and stick approach. The mind can retrain itself just as the mind can retrain the body. The self, the person, can create changes and those changes can have a beneficial impact on their on their experiences on their on their life so someone who is undisciplined and slovenly and lazy and uh rude crude arrogant through a whole series of self-help self-improvement programs rigorous training and rigorous reprogramming of the mind reprogramming of the habits someone can change and someone who is no longer slovenly and no longer arrogant and no longer rude and no longer undisciplined and no longer lazy but all of a sudden they're hyper productive and they're using scheduling programs and they're 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 going to the gym and they're doing all these other things to improve themselves their life will improve materially perhaps relationships wise uh, uh, networking wise in all sorts of ways and we don't have to uh This is just a fact. There's a multi, multi million, if not billion dollar industry based around this fundamental tenet that the self, the vessel, the vehicle can make changes, can alter itself. The same way that a tailor can make alterations to a dress or to a suit or a mechanic can make modifications to an automobile. You take a stock Civic, you take it to one of these aftermarket shops, and by the time they're through with it, you can't even recognize the thing. It looks like a completely different car. It looks different, it sounds different, it drives different. So the vehicle can be altered. And the alterations that you make to that vehicle will have an effect. But this is not the transformation that we are going to be referring to tonight. Because the reality is the transformations that we make on that level do not and cannot create the transformations in our life that we seek on the spiritual journey. They can be of benefit. For example, if you are too lazy to meditate, if you are too lazy to do the practices, then scheduling them or conditioning yourself or, you know, there's making, making improvements to oneself on the level of vessel is perhaps a way to start 
aligning and gearing the consciousness toward making improvements. We don't have anything against people trying to improve their life and by improving themselves in that way. But the reality is that the improvements that we seek, the transformation that we seek inside of ourselves, is on a deeper and more fundamental level. It's on the, it's on the level of our psyche, our psychology. And those changes, whatever changes we think we're making, we are still going to be on a devolving arc, a devolutionary arc, if we do not transform our life. Now that sounds contradictory. You have to transform yourself to transform your life, but you can't really transform yourself unless you transform your life. What exactly are we talking about here? And this is where that esoteric term, transformation of impressions, comes into play. It is a fundamental core practice to esotericism, to authentic spirituality. The transformation of the self into the self, the awakening of the consciousness, self-realization of the being, cannot take place, cannot happen mechanically. It can only happen consciously. But if we are not transforming our impressions moment to moment, day in and day out in our life, we can do all the esoteric study that we want. We can read all the books. We can listen to all the lectures that we want. We can, we can do all the meditation we want. We can do all the sexual alchemy that we want. Truly. But if we are not transforming impressions, then we will get nowhere. All our esoteric study, all our meditation, all our everything else will be for naught. That's how important and that's how core a practice transformation of impressions is and yet you where do you hear it where do you see people talking about it where do you see people emphasizing it yes in the buddhist tradition it falls into the category of mindfulness but mindfulness is such a broad term covering no less than three different practices. Self-observation, self-remembering, transformation of impressions, and indeed, you could add a fourth practice, just, just general awareness, being present, be here now, all that stuff. So mindfulness, if you ask, if you ask most people to define mindfulness, they can maybe get two out of those four. And the one that well, or one out of the four. Because a lot of people don't know to remember themselves and a lot of people don't know, certainly, to transform the impressions. So to them, mindfulness is just like what Eckhart Tolle talks about. Being present. 
and that mindfulness is being present and being aware and and that's all it is it's 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 developing the consciousness yes it is that but that application of consciousness is only the first step and it's only one aspect when we consider ourselves as machines we are biological machines we possess that aspect in our self in our temple in our vessel this vehicle that we inhabit there are three processes that are taking place all the time inside of us and those three processes all relate to transformation because really when we consider the word transformation and the transformation of life it's worthwhile to step back just a moment and say that nothing is stagnant nothing stays the same everything is always being transformed everything is always changing and change is transformation the very nature of existence certainly reality as we understand it and experience it is a non-stop process of change and transformation and our physical machine participates in that non-stop constant state of transformation whether we are aware of it or not and it does so in three distinct processes the lowest lowest or most basic most fundamental is the transformation of food of nutrients nutrition we have to eat to survive and that process our physical body takes place takes that performs that process more or less mechanically and more or less without our awareness we have to participate in it of course we have to eat but once that's done with we're on to do other things we're on to, to get on with the rest of our day to do our work to do our studies to do our practices to do you know to go out and, and play to do our exercise and all the other things that we do and our body takes care of the rest our body takes care of the digestion the transformation of the food that we've eaten the extraction of the essential nutrients and energy and the excretion of the waste all that the body does with stunning complexity and stunning intelligence that you know we, we cannot even begin to grasp a scientist cannot even begin to understand how it all works the intricacies of all of that 
or even if they have some kind of a vague intellectual understanding, they still not they still cannot tell you how the body is able to orchestrate and perform all of that. It is completely beyond. For for instance, there's no scientific, there is no artificial digestive system. They even they even took a, a crack at creating artificial hearts. And they have dialysis machines that can that can uh, uh, substitute for someone who has kidney failure. But nobody, nowhere, under any circumstances, has been able to come close to mimicking or creating a digestive system, a, a mammalian digestive system. The closest that we can come to is composting. There are, of course, you know, wastewater management and all that kind of stuff systems, but that's a uh, that's a different that's a different kettle of fish. That's not we're not talking about human digestion there. It's one thing to be able to remove um, contaminants from water. It's entirely something else to digest and extract what's positive and to reject what's negative, that's no one has been able to come close to figuring out how the body does that. So that's the first system of transformation that we possess. Our digestive system. The second system that is constantly taking place mechanically uh, in our body is the transformation of oxygen. So we breathe air, which is mostly nitrogen, but we breathe air and we extract the oxygen from the air through the lungs. It oxygenates the blood and there's a transfer of oxygen and carbon dioxide and we expel the carbon dioxide. And whereas we can go days, even weeks, even months without food. We can't go longer than a few minutes without air. Even with tremendous yogic control over one's body. The time that uh, we can go without air is very, 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 very limited indeed. Without breathing, that is. That is likewise a complex process, and it takes place with us mostly unconsciously. The third process of transformation that takes place inside of us is the transformation of impressions. And this process is... more vital than the other two. It's more fundamental, but it's not physical. It's metaphysical. It's psychological. It involves the psyche, the soul, the consciousness. 
And whereas the other two, here in the physical realm, at the level of the vessel, the level of the persona, digestion and, and respiration take place mechanically, the body is more than happy to do those on its own without any intervention on our part. So too, the transformation of impression, impressions has a mechanical aspect to it. Meaning our lower inferior lunar aspects of ourself are more than happy and more than willing to transform impressions for us because impressions must be digested in order for experience to exist, to take place, in order for us to be able to experience at all. And the reason why this is more fundamental than eating or breathing, because you can go a few months without eating, you can go a few minutes without breathing, but you can't go a second without experiencing. The moment you no longer can transform impressions, that's called being dead. That's called brain death. That's, that's, that's the flat line on the EEG. That's when you're, even if you're in a coma, there's that brain activity. And then, but when that brain activity ceases, that's clinical death. <clears throat> so if you, if you can't process experience, then you're, you're not experiencing. If you're not experiencing, you're not existing. And if you're not experiencing on this level, that means you're dead at this level. And if you're not experiencing at any level, right, then you, you, you don't, you don't exist. So <clears throat> the transformation of impressions takes place on all levels of reality, all the supernal worlds and all the infernal worlds. Transformation of energy and transformation of what we see as what we experience as physical matter and digestion and respiration and all that stuff is a an expression, a physical expression, a form of transformation of impressions. <clears throat> This is so fundamental. This is so foundational to, I mean, not just the spiritual path, but really philosophically, existentially, practically. So it begs the question, if we're not doing it consciously, what's, what's the problem? If the, if the body, if the mind, the personality is willing and able to do it for us mechanically, well, then what's the problem? The problem is, of course, that 
the mechanical elements inside of us, which will which transform impressions for us, happen to be the egos. And by egos, we refer to lust, fear, anger, pride, envy, gluttony, laziness. These are what keep the consciousness asleep and trapped at the level that we are at and that they put the consciousness to sleep. The mechanical elements, the egos, transform impressions for us, cause us to identify and through the process of identification, we self-identify as the I that the ego is presenting us with. So the so I'll give you an example. Um, someone confronts us and starts insulting us, being very rude to us and berating us, attacking us verbally. We, of course, naturally react as being offended, being insulted, being incensed. How dare you? How dare this person say these things? How dare they attack my character or my reputation or so on and so forth? So all of those reactions to the insult are all being orchestrated by these mechanical egos that are reacting to those impressions, these insults, these attacks that we are receiving. If the egos process those, then the result will be we will become identified with being offended, being upset, being incensed, we will become angry, we will become frustrated, we will, or we will turn around and fight fire with fire. We will return the insults, or we will berate that individual, or we will, we will uh, call that individual names, or we will decide that that individual is, is not worth our time or effort. We will dismiss them, we will categorically write them off. And all of this happens completely automatically, whether we want it to or not. Because those mechanical elements are there to process and digest experiences that we have, but it can only do so on an, in a mechanical way, on a mechanical level. So fear, as an example, when we are confronted 
by something which is potentially dangerous, potentially hazardous. And fear comes and decides that it's going to digest that impression. Fear more or less has two modalities when we are under threat. Uh, those modalities are fight or flight. So fear is going to say, oh, that's a threat? Well, the best defense is a good offense. So I'm gonna, we're going to fight. Or it's going to say, the best defense is to avoid conflict. And we're going to run away. We're going to avoid. This pattern of indulgence or avoidance that is based in fear to engage or to avoid. That pattern of indulgence or avoidance is true for all impressions and the mechanical processing, digesting, transformation of impressions. It's always a case of I want that or I don't want that. That duality approach. It's a binary. It's, a, it's mechanical. It's binary. Yes or no? There is no middle way. There is no third way. And as we receive impressions and we allow ourselves to transform them mechanically, either indulging the impression or avoiding, i.e. suppressing the impression, is another, word, is another way of saying that. Because we can avoid the impression, impression by trying to avoid it, but if the impression is coming up from inside of us, i.e. a feeling or an ego response, an emotion, we can't run away from that emotion, but either the tendency is either to indulge the emotion or to suppress the emotion. Either way, either way, if we allow the ego to digest the impression, the ego gets stronger. That's why suppressing feelings, suppressing emotions doesn't work. Because the act of suppression is a mechanical digestion of the impression, of the, of the emotion. And if you suppress it, you're, you're feeding the ego just as much, if not more, as if you were indulging it. That ego is feasting on that impression 
and indulging it just in your subconscious mind. You just pushed it down so that you can't see it happening, but it's happening. That's why, um, as an example, that's why uh, pastors and priests who, who uh, take a vow of celibacy and uh, strictly adhere to those vows end up having many of them all sorts of problems later on in life and we all know about the um the scandals in the catholic church with uh, priests and altar boys this is because you cannot you cannot deal with lust you cannot deal with these primal animal urges by pretending they're not there or by suppressing them or wishful thinking or just you know, every time lust comes up that you just you just pray that it goes away or that you distract yourself with something else. <clears throat> we have digestion, we have respiration, and we have transformation of impressions. Transformation of impressions happens on all levels of metaphysical reality it's it's conscious it's psychological if we allow our lower animal self to do that work we can only be taken downwards we can only devolve you cannot ascend you cannot evolve you cannot improve So you see all this self-improvement talk, change your, change yourself, change your life. You can't change yourself truly unless you transform your life moment by moment, every single moment of the day. Why is that? Well, that's because your life doesn't exist out there. Impressions don't exist out there. The universe doesn't exist out there. When you go through life, the experiences that you're having are not out there. Any conscientious and self-aware individual who practices meditation and, and mindfulness and self-observation knows that all the impressions that we receive through our five senses exist in the mind. When we interact or engage with something out in the world, we are not interacting with the actual thing. What Immanuel Kant referred to as the noumenon, the thing in itself. We are experiencing our impressions of that thing, the phenomenon. To us, the entire universe, our entire existence is the experience of phenomena. 
we do not experience the noumena, the things in themselves. Because in reality, nothing exists in the way that we perceive it. There is no thinginess in the world. There is no matter. There is no substance. There is no visible light for that matter. Everything exists as, as on, on, the, on the fundamental level, on the level of the foundation, everything exists as energy and it's electromagnetic on the electromagnetic spectrum. So it's the universe is electric. If I reach out and touch this tripod that my uh, webcam is on, it's colored black and it looks like metal, but, and, and it's got some plastic bits, but there is no plastic, there is no metal, and there is no color black. The very notion of color black is uh, an oxymoron. Those are all just impressions in my mind. So that process is a transformative process at the very fundamental level to be able to recognize that number one, all impressions are inside of us. Our reality is inside of us. So now the next step is to look within and then ask the question, what is, di what is processing and digesting those impressions? Is it the ego or is it the consciousness? Now, the simple fact is, is that you would know if it was the consciousness because you have to do it consciously. And if you're not transforming impressions consciously, then your egos are transforming them for you, mechanically. Simple as that. And how do we know that is the case? Because without impressions, you would cease to exist. You would die in this physical body. If something weren't transforming, i.e. in this particular moment, you're watching this live stream and you're listening to these words, something is, is going through the process of understanding those words and trying to make sense of what's being said here. If you are processing these words with your ego mind, then you're going to be strengthening your ego and your ego intellect. But like all things, we are what we eat and what we feed becomes stronger.
it's nutrition impressions are food we really should we, we really uh, need to understand that so your consciousness gets stronger the more you use it the more you exercise it and transforming impressions giving the impressions to the consciousness allowing the consciousness to digest those impressions well that's gnosis that's creating gnosis conscious self-evident experiential knowledge that is what we seek on the path we cannot we cannot create that we cannot have that if we do not consciously exercise and practice that moment to moment we cannot find that we don't find that we create that that's the and the and that's why we've so said so often the living breathing word of god the logos is all around us and within us all around us is the the nutrition the food the mana from heaven our father uh, give us this day our daily bread and we've talked about the divine mother leaving breadcrumbs for us on the on the trail leading us through the dark wood what are those breadcrumbs we call them serendipities we call them little signs we call them little gifts tokens of knowledge tokens of wisdom tokens of insight breadcrumbs little moments where you go oh that's exactly what i needed to hear when we have those moments when we have those experiences where we just know that serendipity that's at that we've transformed that impression consciously you cannot experience serendipity mechanically you your mind would say oh that's a coincidence and your mind is just rejected suppressed thrown away what your consciousness could have processed and digested as serendipity um we just realized that um, uh, we've been neglecting the chat. There's a few um, uh, comments here. The other thing that we forgot to do is we forgot to um, post the link to join the live stream if you're so inclined. So we've done that now, and there is the uh, there is the link on the screen now. If you happen to be watching on Twitter, uh, we're on. We, we we decided to try to li live stream to Twitter tonight, but Twitter doesn't allow for comments, and we can't. Nobody can. There's no chat in Twitter, according to to um, according to uh, Streamyard. So we're we're not sure if we're going to keep this Twitter thing up. We we just did it because we might abandon it. We might go. We might keep twitch instead as a third party or it might go to some other live streaming as a third option but in any case let's get to some of these chats patrick weidman says does uh bible and gnostics teach ego death i think it happened to me with god's help no it hasn't 
Not yet, it hasn't. You may have experienced the death of a ego, but not the ego. That has not happened. Uh, but yes, the Bible and Gnosis and all genuine spiritual traditions uh, teach ego death. But if your ego really was dead, you would be a resurrected, crucified master. You would be a bodhisattva if your ego really was dead. But it isn't dead. So we have to be careful of mystic pride. Because no matter what kind of spiritual experience that you've had, it wasn't ego death. That's just your, your mystic pride telling you stories to try to aggrandize yourself and, and, uh, and make you believe that you're something that you're not. That's a very, very, very common uh, experience for everybody on the path when they have very powerful experiences. The first thing that happens is the, the ego mind chimes in. Again, wanting to digest those impressions because spiritual experiences are also impressions. And the ego is going to want to digest those impressions and take those impressions and digest them and, of course, feed itself. Mystic pride loves, loves to digest all of our spiritual experiences and all of our spiritual teaching and all of our spiritual practices and everything that we do and feed itself with those impressions and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and it starts telling us things and we start believing the things that our mystic pride tells us things like oh i must be i must be this this initiation or that master or the reincarnation of this master or that master or all kinds of stuff that the mind will tell us and mystic pride will tell us and part of the reason why that is, is because when we do have a spiritual experience, lots of times it's very difficult to get ourselves out of the way of it. And we get so excited and we get so enthusiastic and we're so, we're so incredibly overwhelmed by it. Well, all of those emotions, all of those feelings are all mechanical and they're all egoic. And that's all the ego processing and digesting those impressions that's a bit um okay let's get to some of these other chats before we continue uh roy says swallow person is very easy to touch this egos within not sure what you mean by that benjamin says i believe that seeing the good in others and the entire creation is a good way to transform impressions. When God created everything, as in the Genesis account, on each day, he saw that his creation is good. There is no simple... that It's tempting to want to find some sort of magic pill or silver bullet way of transforming impressions but just to say that it's all good 
That's still in your mind. That's a trick of ego mind. That's like the power of positive thinking. Again, as we said, as we said at the beginning, it is possible to change your attitude, to change your mind, to, 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 to adjust your mind to follow a new program. And following that new program, you believe that you're now transforming impressions. But you're not. You're feeding the same ego mind. And you're allowing the same ego mind to, to digest those impressions for you. It's just that now you just it has a clever rationalization to say, oh, I'm I'm it's all good. Hey, it's all good, it's all good. It's all good, man. Like it says in the Bible, you just have to do that. That's easy, right? Transformations of transformation of impressions are not easy. When fear arises in you, when anger arises in you, when lust, when you see someone and you are you have visions of lust coming into your mind. When you feel yourself being attacked, when you're having encounters with family or your or your uh, sexual partner, people who are close to you that are able to press your buttons and trigger strong reactions, then then you when you have terrible thoughts arising in your mind. You can't just look at those and say, oh, hey, it's all good. Hey, it's all good. No, it's not all good. It is what it is, but it's not all good. There's no such thing as all good. Anna says, I understand that the higher realms and all that exists is inside of us as well. Only the false ego mind separates us from God. Uh, and yet we are separate from God. We are, we are, the way to comprehend this is that you have a body. Your body is made up of countless trillions of cells. They are all you, technically. They're part of your body. They are all a part of you. Now. Can any of those cells out of context, can you pluck any of those cells out of your body and get them to run a marathon or drive a car or make breakfast or read a book? In other words, all the cells in your body are what they are. They're individual cells. But the individual cells of your body do not constitute you. They are a part of you. Yes, they are a part of you, but they are not you. I cannot take some sandpaper and, and scratch uh, uh, some skin cells off of you, put it in a Petri dish, 
and grow another one of you. Even if I were to do that through genetic engineering called cloning, and I made a clone of you, that clone would not be you. Not only would that clone not be you, that clone wouldn't have your knowledge, your experience. It wouldn't be you. It wouldn't be anywhere near being you. And even if I took some cells and took some of your DNA and I put it in a pre Petri dish and I decided I'm going to make a clone of you, guess what? The cells in the Petri dish are still, they're not a clone of you. They're still just cells in a Petri dish. In other words, they are just you in potentiality because they contain your DNA. An egg is not a chicken. An egg is not a chicken, period. It just isn't. It came from a chicken. It has the potential to become a chicken. But an egg is not a chicken. A seed is not a tree. And a human being is not a god, period. Has the potential, but it's only a potential. And, the, and what we're talking about tonight, transformation of life and transformation of impressions are an absolute essential part of the seed that we are, the essence, the monad inside of us. To develop and become and fulfill our potential. Just like the caterpillar must weave a cocoon and must transform itself into the chrysalis which will eventually give rise, give birth to a butterfly. That's metamorphosis, transformation. None of us, none of us are anywhere near completion of our journey. We're nowhere near being, being finished with our, our uh, process of transformation. And that process is um, we have to be able to transform moment-to-moment -moment reality inside of us because all that reality is inside of us. Uh, Dylan has a, a, a kind of a lengthy uh, thing here. Finding it very hard to find the appropriate response to your idea of someone confronts us. And this is disturbing. You, in, you indulge, you're feeding on anger. You run, you're suppressing. You can justify these responses. Won't back down because if you do, you're giving in to fear from the start. Can say you're choosing flight to promote compassion ultimately through the avoidance. You get tired of making a joke and shrugging it off. What do you do? It's easy to write it off as they're having a bad day or that was their egos talking. What can be done and there's any good to come from the action? 
Yeah, sorry for the lengthy response. Okay. So we're, we're getting into the examples of how do, how, then how do you transform impressions consciously? Because as Dylan is pointing out, the, the engaging or avoiding can very easily be justified and rationalized by the ego mind, and it can come up with all sorts of spiritual reasons why you're doing that. For example, the, the, the Gandhi's, Gandhi's approach of nonviolence. Well, I'm actually being spiritual because I'm not confronting the other person. The answer uh, is to follow your intuition. In other words, the answer is there is no answer. There is no, the, the answer is to remain calm, remain present, and remain indifferent to the impression. Don't identify because the impression that, that, is, that is passing through you, what you identify with is the reaction, the mechanical reaction to that impression. You're identifying with the egos that are wanting to digest, process, and cause us to act a certain way uh, and react a certain way. But if we remain calm and aware and we can observe that fear arising or that anger arising. And we talked a little bit about psychological judo in meditation as one of the uh, methodologies of meditation. So, and uh, psychological judo where you observe something arising in the mind and you observe it, you acknowledge it, and then you let it pass. The same thing can happen. Not only the, the insults that are coming at you, but the, the fear responses or the anger responses that are bubbling up inside of you in reaction to anything. You can observe them and you can let them go. But your intuition is what will inform you on what is the correct response. There are some... The... If there is one um, universal go-to strategy for the transformation of impressions, it relates to self-observation and self-remembering. Which, by the way, you can't even do transformation of impressions if you're not observing yourself. Forget it because the impressions are inside of you. If you're not observing yourself, you can't, you can't transform. Then you're, if you're not observing yourself, everything's gonna be happening mechanically inside of you anyway. But the second part of self-observation is self-remembering. Remembering your divine mother. Remember your divine mother. Now, okay, so I remember my divine mother, but what is it about my divine mother that matters. Why does she exist? Why is she even there? And what is her job, which she performs ceaselessly without any complaint? 
she delivers us all we need on the path, including, and perhaps we could say, especially all of our tests, all of our trials, and all of our ordeals. No, I, I don't think we need this on the screen anymore. We don't have any slides or anything for this uh, for this live stream. So, all of our tests, trials, and all our ordeals. And why does she arrange that? She arranges that because those impressions are the ones that are going to be triggering our egos and drawing up to the surface, out of the dark denizens of our subconscious mind all the nasty psychological aggregates, all the demons, all the egos that we carry inside, all of the eyes that we carry inside of us. They're all going to be brought up to the surface. As The more difficult, the more challenging, the more frustrating, the more maddening the people and circumstances that we encounter, the more, the more they are able to push our buttons, the more we feel ourselves our, 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 the hair rising on the back of our neck and our tensing up, our shoulders tensing up and our body and our biceps and everything just clenching and our butt cheeks clenching and you name it. All those physiological responses, stress and tension and, 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 and right? All of that is there for our benefit. For our benefit so that we can be aware, so that we can know ourselves, so that we can be conscious of the psychological aggregates, of the egos, of the eyes inside of us that are, cre that are causing that tension, that frustration, that stress response. It's not the, it's not the circumstance that's causing that. It's something that's reacting to those to that circumstance that way, which is the which is resulting in all of that tension and that stress that we're experiencing. The problem is if we don't transform the impression of that stress and that tension, of that anger, of that fear, of, of that whatever. The I itself will transform it. And what does the I do? It points fingers and it lays blame. It justifies. I'm right to get angry. I should be pissed off. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said about me? Did you, did you hear what she said? How dare, how dare you say that about me? You're damn right I'm pissed. I should be pissed. I have a right to be pissed. This is, this is all ego talking. I, 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 I. So, the opportunity here in such circumstances is that all of this darkness, all of these, these egos, these mechanical uh, uh, aspects of ourselves are being drawn up and out into the open so we can see them, so we can observe them, 
so we can study them, so we can know ourselves. But there's a second. So let's let's just try to cap what we're saying here. If all of that was orchestrated by our Divine Mother so that we can know ourselves, then we should be grateful. Gratitude. To be grateful for the circumstance. To be grateful for the attack, for the difficult person who's challenging us is being is being adversarial in order for our adversary to be to come into activity so we can see the adversary that we need to defeat because the adversary that we need to defeat is in ourselves the trick is not to fall into the adversary's trap it's not to indulge the adversary and it's not to suppress the adversary it's not the person that we need to run away from it's not the person that we need to engage with. And it's not our inner adversary that we need to indulge nor suppress. But observe. With equanimity. With indifference. With, without mind. Without I without any recourse or reference to I, with pure consciousness. The, the, the ground stuff, the mind stuff of, of consciousness, the, 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 the mind stuff of being, uh, the, the, the Sanskrit word bodhicitta, <clears throat> This is the development of consciousness. And conscious in consciousness, there is no I, right? There's individuality, but it's not individuality in any way that we can comprehend in the mind at our level. We can't understand that, that individuality. It's not an I. Consciousness is not an I. The being is not an I. It's, it's an individuated aspect of the, of the logos, but it's not an I. I is ego. So, so one thing we can do is remember our Divine Mother and have and be grateful for the experience, for these impressions that we are that we need to transform, that we are transforming consciously. And if you're finding yourself getting angry or doing whatever, allow it to come up, arise, acknowledge it, and then relax and, and let, it, let it subside. Let it just go back down. But observe all everything that it's doing to you. You can observe it. You're tensing up, right? And then you, you, when you see the muscles all tensing up and you're recognizing and you... You, you want to make a conscious connection. What's doing that? What's causing that? Why am I getting so angry? Why am I getting so angry? And it's not what the other person is saying. No, it's something inside of me that's reacting to that. What is that reacting inside of me that's getting me so angry? 
don't just suppress the anger or don't just let the anger come and go. Say, recognize why, why is this getting, why should this get my back up like this? <clears throat> so there's a precious opportunity. It's the only chance you're going to get to make these observations. And you're going to see, ah, okay, it's because they're saying this and this, and I, and I care really a lot about that. And I, I, I put a lot of effort into that and I, I identify with that. Ah, okay. So this person is, um, is criticizing, you know, how I did this job and I put my blood, sweat and tears into that job. And now I'm identified with it and I'm identified with that outcome. And now he's criticizing it. And now I'm taking his criticism as a personal attack. So that's why as I'm listening to the criticism, I'm getting all worked up because he's criticizing that thing I created, but I'm identified with that thing. So the criticism that he's that he has for that thing that I did, I'm taking it personally. It's these types of connections that you can make when you are observing yourselves and transforming those impressions. And then you say, oh, okay, all right. He's, he's just he's critical of that thing that's that's fine I'm not attached to that yes I I did it I made it but that's all I did now it's its own thing and now he's criticizing it now I'm learning how to do it better the next time or how to fix it <clears throat> he's not he's not making a personal attack on me that's not what he's doing our egos, want to make it into that and if we allow ourselves to fall into that trap <clears throat> then the egos that those egos are going to be getting stronger that's pride you know pride in one's work taking pride in one's work taking pride in one's work it's 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 okay to feel fulfilled by one's work by having done work good work but to become attached to it with pride and identified with it that is who i am <clears throat> The other thing we can do as we practice meditation and get into that place of stillness and of silence and of no self, no I anyway, that state of calm abiding brings with it qualities of consciousness. Again, that bodhicitta, that, that the stuff of being, the stuff of consciousness, which is love. And compassion. So, 
to be able to express and feel, but really feel, not, this is not an intellectual exercise. It's not enough to say that, oh, that person is suffering and they're just suffering and they're just, you know, it's like maybe how a, a parent might react to a child having a temper tantrum. Oh, they're just having a temper tantrum. Oh, kids will be kids. You know how it is. Or, or a misogynist might say, oh, you know, she's just, you know, it's that time of the month. She's, you know, you know what women are like, blah, blah, you know, and just dismissive that way, right? That's not transforming the impression. Again, these are intellectual tricks that the ego plays to give us a, 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 an, the illusion of taking the high road, of avoiding confrontation, and of, of, not, of not allowing ourselves to be uh, have our buttons pushed. Humor is another one of these things. One of the universal truths about stand-up comedians is that they all are terribly, terribly, terribly insecure people. Terribly insecure. They use humor as a way to evade and avoid impressions. They take that nervous energy, that fear energy, and they transform it into a joke. Now, the, the real question is, and we don't know if there's a good answer to this. The real question is, is that a, real, is that a proper transformation or is it a, just another intellectual trick? Because from our knowledge and experience uh, with stand-up comedians, we know that many of them have many problems right up until, you know, right into their um, middle age. And, you know, for, whether it's Robin Williams or, or uh, any number of stand-up comedians who, who, you know, run into problems. Are they really transforming impressions? Or is it a bait and switch that the intellect is doing? And we can argue that a lot of comedians and the material that they do could hardly be considered divinely inspired. That's just the hard truth. A lot of comedians are very intuitive, but their material and the way it's presented um, is, uh, is, is, it's questionable. It's, it seems more like it's a kind of, it's a, it's a very, um clever avoidance and suppression and indulgence all at the same time 
there is genuine there is a genuine way to laugh and find humor and use humor to transform impressions mostly as that applies to ourself so when we don't take ourselves so seriously and we don't allow we don't berate ourselves we don't beat ourselves up because we're too hard on ourselves again that's a trick of the ego to berate ourselves to beat ourselves up you know that you can't actually help anybody change improve anybody if every time they make a mistake you're on top of them beating them up you you can't you 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 can't use that kind of negative reinforcement to make a positive change likewise we can't do that with ourselves so humor lightening up when we do oh there i go there i go again doing that stupid thing i always do why do i do that stupid thing all the time but but actually you know finding learning how to chuckle about it in the moment and say <laughs> okay i got to be more careful next time got to pay attention to that but not beat ourselves over the head with it so humor has its place but it can be taken too far and that that is really what we're looking for with the transformation of impressions transformation of impressions are moment by moment they are a the conscious practice of tantra of white tantra white tantra is the engagement in sexuality in in, in copulation in sex which is an act of creation without indulging lust and without avoiding lust i.e. avoiding sex altogether it is it is the path of the razor's edge and it's the perfect middle way between indulging and avoiding and if because indulging and avoiding are the two extremes of the duality one or zero and the middle way is the path between one and zero and that is what transforming impressions is you need to be in that space engaging with life we are going to encounter difficult people 
We are going to encounter family members. We are going to have fights with our loved ones. It's going to happen. We are going to get angry. We are going to get scared. We are going to get whatever. Aroused, gluttonous, you name it. We will feel these things. To be able to be present and experience them as the observer, as a as a, an indifferent third party, engage with life. The impression is an ex, the impression is an expression of consciousness. The reception is a reception of consciousness. So. An expression has to be received by the consciousness. The expression is masculine. The reception is feminine. The union of masculine and feminine is sex, is tantra. But if the ego gets in there and gets a part of that sex it's like if lust gets involved then we become we we become over enthusiastic we become identified we forget ourselves we lose ourselves in the moment we get hypnotized, mesmerized, identified, and we get drawn down, dragged in into the impression instead of transforming it consciously. We get dragged down into it and our ego is digesting it at that point. And they're not only digesting the impression, they're enslaving our consciousness and they're... they're uh, um, feeding on our sexual energy. In other words, they're doing exactly what lust does if we are practicing white tantra and we get carried away. We become too into it. We become too into the physical part, the stimulation part. We get, we get too excited. And that's why one of the one of the, the tricks that uh, the ego has pulled on this humanity when it comes to spirituality is this whole notion of positivity. And you meet these people, and they think that they think that they're angels on earth because everything to them is just great. Everything is just Jim Dandy and oh, that's fantastic. And oh, I'm so happy for you. And, da, da, da. and these people who are just so over exuberant and they're so excited by everything and they're so over enthusiastic by everything. That's all ego. The, 
the middle way is the middle way. It's it's calm. It's it's relaxed. Yeah, it's it's joy. It's happiness. It's it's peace. But that isn't elation. That isn't exuberation. That isn't constant nonstop. Oh my God, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Oh. Like, like that's that's just that's because rest assured that when they're not being like that, when the when the proverbial crud hits the fan, you can be darn sure that they're losing it on the other end of the spectrum with the same intensity. And it's all a facade. It's all a, 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 it's all just on the level of personality and mind and emotion. So the power of positive thinking and the power of positivity, it's a clever way for the ego mind to keep us enslaved and get us believing that we're transforming impressions. But that's not the transformation of impressions. The fact of the matter is, is that transformation of impressions is a conscious exercise that nobody can teach you. Except for your own being, your own intuition, and your own experience. It's the only way to learn is to by doing, by practicing, by being. And the more you practice it, the better you will get at it. And if you keep it up, and you need to, it takes constant effort, transformation of impressions. We know how difficult it is. We're not, we're not telling you, we're not shining any sunshine up your up your ass here. We're not talking rainbows and unicorns. Transformation of impression is hard work. It takes constant effort to remain present and to actively seek to maintain that state of calm abiding in the middle of the storm. But if you, if the lighthouse analogy works for you, uh, then use it. Observe you're, 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 you're in the middle of the, the storm. You're in the middle of the, the, uh, the, the maelstrom, right? The hurricane. Don't be the ship captain. Be the lighthouse keeper, shining a light that's going to guide you through that storm and keep you off the rocks. And use the light of consciousness. Keep shining the light of consciousness off on everything that's going on. On the water, on the waves, on the rocks, on the boat. And, and guide that boat into, into shore, into calmer waters. And, and past the rocks. Identify with, align with your consciousness, the observer and keep as you are watching 
all of the impressions arise or all the impressions to flood in keep keep proceeding with that knowledge and keep listening for the intuition for your gut for the still soft voice of your heart for your consciousness to to for your your innermost being through the consciousness to guide you if you can keep your consciousness fixed on the situation on yourself one eye in one eye out and and allowing the the storm to 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 pass and without allowing yourself to get completely bogged down in it if you if you are actively staying conscious you will be that much more inclined that much more likely to be able to receive guidance from your innermost on how to respond and and what to do Anna says overcoming and recognizing lust and all sins is the hardest thing anyone will have to do it is constant work as you state what is connected to transformation of impressions and self-observation and self-remembering is i'm going to leave this up actually up here um is the other practice called retrospection a lot of these core practices self-observation self-remembering transformation of impressions meditation and retrospection that's five core practices they're all related and they are all essential and they're all related and they're all essential to exactly what anna is talking about here at the end of the day take a few moments sit in a nice comfortable chair it's nice and quiet close your eyes and scan from that moment backwards through your day or to the moment you woke up or just before you woke up into to the to to the dream you had right before you woke up and scan forward through the day and what you are looking for are moments when moments of drama moments of transformation moments in which you shifted emotionally mentally consciously like these uh these dramatic shifts that took place inside of you that were a that were a result of impressions and take a moment to reflect on the impressions that caused the shift and how they brought about that shift inside of you 
You see, as we mentioned, the Divine Mother orchestrates all of this for us to be able to have these experiences, for, it, for us to be able to have impressions, impressions that trigger the adversaries inside of us. So now, when we have those experiences and we've paid attention, we have a, a conscious recollection now, a memory, and, and, and we want to try to be as conscious and as aware and as present throughout the day, observing ourselves and transforming impressions so that at the end of the day, we can reflect on that incident and we can replay the incident in our mind's eye, not indulging, but, but just observing, okay, this is what, this is why I was tensing up. This is what that ego is trying to do. This is what my anger, this is what my fear, this is what, you know, and this is this is how it was doing this, and this is how it was doing that, and this is why it was getting me tense, and why I was and analyzing. Well, yeah, but why was I getting angry, right? Why was I being afraid? What was it about this that was scary to me? And it's not an intellectual exercise. The mind can be involved, so long as the consciousness is what is putting the mind to use. Retrospection is a, is a conscious exercise. Retrospection in meditation makes it so. This is, not a, this is not a matter of you sitting in a chair and going, okay, and then he said this, and she said that, and they said that, and oh man, I hate it when she says that, and why did she always say that? She always says that, you know, it does it because, you know, it's not that. And it's not rationalizing, well, of course, he said that because, you know, he went to this college, and I went to that college, and, you know, they're like this, and we're like that. You know, it's not, it's not that either. Not an, this is not an intellectual process. Retrospection is contemplation. It's reflection. And it's, it's most powerful in meditation. And that is the only way to comprehend the, the sins, the egos. Because they're clever, they're crafty, and the mind is the adversary, right? Ego mind cannot and will not ever crack the code of egos. Because in us, the mind, 97% of the time, is working for the egos. So you can't let the you can't set the fox to guard the hen house. Right? That's not going to work. There's a fundamental conflict of interest there. But the consciousness, not only is the consciousness a far superior faculty and instrument than is the mind. The mind is a blunt tool compared to the scalpel, which is the consciousness. And it would be incorrect to say that consciousness is a scalpel. Consciousness is also a scalpel. But consciousness is also a Hubble telescope. And it is also one of those 360 degree panoramic lenses 
one of those fisheye lenses that gives you like a 360 degree. In other words, the consciousness is something that the mind cannot even begin to understand. All the capacities, the consciousnesses, microscope, telescope, uh, uh, fisheye scope, uh, it, it's a scalpel, it's, it's all of those things, and much, much, much more. And what's behind the consciousness is, is greater still. So, but we cannot apply that faculty and benefit from it unless we are relaxed, unless we are calm. Because what causes us to get excited is what is what cuts us off and 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 makes us fall asleep and gets us to be hypnotized and and gets our consciousness to fall asleep and many people who have experiences in the astral plane can relate to this because if you've ever projected into the astral plane probably your first reaction was, oh my God, oh my God, I'm lucid dreaming. I'm, I'm awake in the astral plane. Oh my God, this is so amazing. And then boom, you wake up in your bed. You, you became identified. You became caught up in and identified with the impression of the feeling of lucid dreaming. I know I did. First time I, I had a, a projected into the astral plane and, and, and it was like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's so awesome. Boom. I was out. It's the same thing when we're awake. If we, there are certain things that we encounter, impressions that we receive. Have you ever eaten something, let's say bitten, bitten into something that was tasted really good? And you bit into it and you're like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Oh my, oh, oh, this is what, right? You ever had that experience? Could you, could you describe what it tasted like? All you can tell anyone about that kind of experience is that, oh, oh, it was so good. It was so good. How many times have you um, uh, heard people talk about places they've gone or food that they've eaten or experiences they've had? And they say, oh, my God, it was so amazing. It was so incredible. It was so this. It was, and But can they actually describe it to you? No, they can't. They don't because they don't know. Because they weren't there. 
because they, their consciousness, weren't the, weren't the ones digesting the impressions, digesting the experience. Their egos were. Their taste buds were. And taste buds, I don't know if you, you know this, if you've noticed this, but your gluttony and your, your taste buds have a very short memory. You can't taste on your tongue, which you had just a few hours ago. I know I can't, but luckily the lunch that I made for the family today was uh, kind of special. And nobody even spoke a word around the table. Everyone was just so present and so in. So even right now, I can replay and I know exactly how every bite felt. And my mouth is watering as I'm saying these words because I was present and I was aware. And I wasn't like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And oh, no, 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 you know, none, none of that. Nobody was doing any of that. Everybody was completely quiet, silent. And they were just enjoying this very, very special meal that was the result of an, it was in a, an accumulation of, Of meals, it was it was uh, uh, French onion soup and and roast beef sandwiches and and dipping in this in the jus in this this uh, French onion uh, soup jus. And as you know, it's a very it's a very intense. You ever had if you ever had a, a very very good Philly cheesesteak sandwich, you know that it's very intense flavors and there, it's a it's a very uh, comprehensive, multifaceted experience. Because you 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 take a baguette. There's like roast beef in it. You've got melted cheese. You've got uh, onions on there. If you have put onions on there, and then you've got Dijon mustard, and take the whole th or or uh, or deli mustard. You take the whole thing, and you're dipping it basically in French onion soup. So now the the soup is like seeped in to the bread and the and the and the meat and everything and now so but i can describe all the intricacies of all of that because of being present and aware and eating consciously to the point where where nobody around the table was was even ruining the experience by talking conscious eating right people have there there are movements uh, conscious eating movements and it's just but it's not about it's just being present for the experience not not allowing oneself to be overwhelmed by it oh my god this is so amazing this is the best thing i've ever eaten but you know whatever and then when people ask yeah what was it like and they're like well it was amazing Oh, I can't describe it. No, it's impossible to describe. And then they'll 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 write it off like they'll give themselves an excuse. They'll give themselves an out why they can't talk about it.
But we could go on for hours about the time we spent in La Sagrada Familia, for example, in Spain. Or just about anywhere we go. Because we're present. We're not allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed and overexcited. And, and we're, not, we're not losing ourselves in the experience. We're also not spacing out. We're also not checked out. We're also not doing other things or, 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 or uh, <clears throat> you know, daydreaming or fantasizing or you know, doing other things. We like to be present and trying to do as best we can what we're doing when we're doing it. This is all part of that practice. And so the more you practice it, the more you realize that you are the more you will become aware of the difference between digesting reality, digesting your life with, from the perspective of the, the self versus the self. And you will realize that there are probably many things that you think you really enjoy doing and if you haven't been doing them mindfully if you haven't been transforming those impressions then when you start transforming the impressions you discover that this you, you the truth comes out the truth will come out there are many activities that i can i no longer partake in or there's there's for example there's certain types of films that i will not watch because just like there's certain type of food that i will not eat Right? I won't eat garbage. If I have to eat garbage, if I absolutely have to eat garbage, I, of course, can do it. And of course, you know, we're, I'm only human. And, you know, so obviously there are certain treats, so called treats, sweet things, or things that are, I know they're not, you know, good for me or whatever. It's technically garbage. But, you know, everything in moderation, a little bit here and there, it's not going to kill anyone. And even that, I only have those things because of the experience of it, right? And even that, it's always, it's always pretty good quality of stuff. It's not like, like I don't, I, you know, McDonald's or anything like that. It's like, ugh. But the same thing applies for the impressions that we encounter in life. So the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to. These are choices that we make. If everything you eat becomes a part of your physical body, every impression becomes a part of your psychology. So, 
all of that senseless violence and gore and horror and 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 sex and pornography all that stuff that's all going into your psyche all of it if that's what you're doing if that's what you're you're watching that's what's in your psyche that's what's in your subconscious mind and your egos are eating that stuff up because that's what they like and the only reason why you watch it is because your egos like it because you're you can be damn sure that your being does not care for it This really is a, um, you know, we're trying to impress upon you just how important this is. And, and the fact that if we are not practicing the transformation of impressions, If we are not transforming our experience of life, then we are not transforming ourselves. We, we might think we are. We might be convincing ourselves that we are, that we're making progress, that we're doing all these things differently now. But if we're not actively transforming impressions, then we're not, we're not growing, we're not we're not advancing on the path. In fact, we're regressing. We're devolving. And you can see that by the differences in how you react to things now and people now versus how you used to or how you would have in the past and when you are able to catch yourself because you're aware because you're watching yourself and you're aware that and that in the past you would have had to say something but now it's like yeah you know what it is what it is right it is what it is. By the way, it is what it is, is a powerful, powerful, powerful mantra. We have used it lying on a gurney in an emergency room with a broken collarbone to transform the impressions of having a broken collarbone to the point where we could be present and aware and we and we refused all the painkillers. The nurses kept coming by. Are you sure you don't want a painkiller? We've told this story before. We were in we were skiing, we were in Germany. Uh we got we got cut off by a snowboarder. We uh we ended up in the emergency room with a broken collarbone and uh our our brother was uh, making phone calls back to Canada to try to arrange with the uh, insurance company to get the okay for them to be able to operate and, and put in a, they put in a metal bar, which is still there today. Um, 
And while we were in the emergency room waiting for my, my brother to arrange the insurance, um, the nurses kept coming by desperate to want to give us some Tylenol 3 or some morphine or something, right? And because the, the collarbone was broken, it was like it was like it was like this, right? It was like a tent under our shirt, like it was like that. And we were like, no, 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 thank you. No. And I, and, and our intuition, my my intuition, right, was saying, don't you dare numb yourself to this experience go deeper into this experience and will and and I will help you we will help you go deeper into this experience and how they helped was it is what it is and that is all it is what it is and that is all. every time we were we were touching around here and and every time the mind wanted to pop this like, like and process the impression as pain the intuition says there's no such thing as pain it is what it is. And that is all. And that became like a mantra. And I was like chanting it to myself in my mind as I was exploring and touching and feeling and, and all this electricity was shooting through my body. The prana, the chi was going all because, because the nerves had been severed, right? In the bone and, and, and all this, this like Everything was on the fritz. Everything was going haywire. But this energy was shooting up and down the body and stuff. But once I had gotten over processing any of that as pain, there was no pain. All there was was I was feeling what everybody else comes into, you know, comes into that emergency room with a broken whatever. And they're begging. They're begging for painkillers because it hurts so much. I'm in so much pain. With me, the nurses were flabbergasted. They couldn't figure out that they were like, they were like, they're like, this guy must be crazy. I wasn't crazy. I was present. I was transforming the impression of pain into what it really was, which it is what it is. There is no such thing as pain. It just is what it is. It's the ego mind that processes it and makes it into pain. But there's no such thing as pain. Pain doesn't exist. In this body, it's just it was just the 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 the, the disrupted flow of the energy of the of the prana of the chi of the electromagnetic energy and and and. It really, it really felt like that. It's like when you watch uh, one of those movies where there's an android or a robot and he gets a limb cut off or something, and then all these sparks are flying everywhere, and you know, or or or, uh, or they have arcing lightning, you know, these these arcing electricity going up and down and whatever, and you see that visualized in special effects and movies. But that's what I was experiencing in my human machine, and I was experiencing that. But I was present, I was aware, I was awake. I wasn't avoiding it, but I wasn't indulging the pain either. I wasn't, oh my God, it hurts at all. You know, I wasn't doing that, obviously. But I wasn't shutting out the, I wasn't shutting out the pain. I wasn't doing that either. I was being present 
with the experience of the broken collarbone and everything that was happening. And it is what it is. And that is all. Because believe me, the mind was trying to get in there. The mind was trying to get in. It's pain. It hurts. It's bad. It's bad. You know, you know, it was trying to. But that again, Atlas was the one, right? And my divine mother who, 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 you know, who, who gave me the tools that I needed in the moment to be able to be present with that experience and transform it to the point where I can, I can speak to you about it in this way with the same intensity of, of vivacity as if, as if I can relive the moment with the same clarity. And this happened how many years ago now? It's got to be at least, what, at least 10 years ago. But I can see everything. I can... As if, as if it happened yesterday. And I can feel everything. And I can describe it to you in, in great detail in a way that perhaps you can, you can understand or have an appreciation of what I was going through. As opposed to how many, how many people can do that? No, what do they tell you? Oh my God, it hurt like hell. And that's all they can tell you about their injury and their time in the hospital. Oh, I hurt like hell. Really? Was that bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then but then they gave me painkillers and then boom, I was out. That's, that's, that's how most people, you know, that's how we've been conditioned, right? And that's, again, that's what nurses, you know, they, they, they have the best of intentions, right? They, they want what's best for us. They, they you know, they, they, they don't want us to suffer. But you see, transformation of impression doesn't back away from suffering. There's opportunity for experience in everything. To be able to experience, and even if you are forced into situations where there's terrible, nasty, gangster rap music on in the background, or there is some uh, uh, violence or sex act or something in the movie that you happen to be watching and it just came out of nowhere. There, every experience is an opportunity to transform that impression. You don't have to shut your eyes. You don't have to look away. You don't have to, right? You can transform the impression, but it takes a great deal of effort and a great deal of practice and reliance on your innermost, on your higher self, on your divine mother, for guidance, the intuition. You follow your gut on what to do and how to do it. Don't, don't rely on this because this thing will come up with clever tricks and tactics and schemes. But if you are aware and present and relying on your innermost, your consciousness, your innermost being may use your mind and put your mind to good use as it did in my case with the broken collarbone. It is what it is, and that is all. It is what it is, and that is all. No matter what my mind came up with, 
oh, it so hurts. It, it, you know, it really hurts. That's painful. That's this, that's that, right? It is what it is. And that is all. That was how I was re responding to my own mind trying to convince me how painful this experience was. I responded, it is what it is, and that is all. Just, it is what it is, and that is all. Then every now and then, I threw in, aheye, asher, aheye. I am that I am. That's what, it is what it is. That's what makes that such a powerful, but you have to feel it. It's not enough to just rhyme it mechanically off in your head. You have to feel it. You have to know it. You have to, you have to know it and, and feel it in your heart because it is what it is, is a, an acknowledgement of aheye asher aheye. I am that I am. I am that I am. It is what it is. And there's a there's this beautiful thing that happens. The next time you're in a situation where you find yourself getting caught up in or either indulging or avoiding, take a moment, balance yourself, collect yourself, relax. And step into that middle place, neither indulging nor avoiding, engaging, being present, and saying, it is what it is, I am that I am. And and if <laughs> we're going to contradict ourselves, we're going to go back on, uh, uh, again, something we said to Brendan, uh, Benjamin earlier, say, it is what it is, I am that I am, and it's all good. Right? Just be just be be peace and allow and present in that moment, in that space, in that middle, middle place between indulging and avoiding. And then you will be able to transform the impression and whatever nasty thing or aggressive thing or 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 or, or uh, insulting thing or, or anything they'll just that all that'll just pass over you and pass through you like water off a duck's back that's where that expression comes from right water off a duck's back right the water doesn't penetrate the duck it's just it just it, like these things will pass through you our good friend wolfgang calls it being invisible in order to get through life and 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 in the times that we are in in the kali yuga with all this negativity and all this all, all the all these this craziness and this this negative chaos and all these images and these lies and everything that we're bombarded with all the time and there, it's all there to try to trigger these these heightened emotional reactions in us right that's why Wolfgang calls it like, like it, it's like you need to learn how to be invisible or, or ethereal where everything just sort of passes through you. Andrew says, we ourselves call it stealth mode. Yeah, okay. 
There you go. Again, it's it's this this it's that quality, and Benjamin says, Yes, be passers by. That quality of allowing um but don't lose sight of the compassion especially when you're dealing with difficult people because it's it's very easy to especially on the path it's very easy to uh, fall into um, the trap really of of righteousness and then you know <laughs> pardon me <laughs> don't you love it when there's a sneeze trying to come on but it's just lingering there it's just hanging there <laughs> you're just <laughs> and you can't do anything right you just have to wait for it to for it to uh, for it to pass. Speaking of transforming impressions, um, thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> um, so it's very easy to get um, to get uh, to fall into the trap of uh, righteousness and self righteousness, where. Yeah, you know, we're the good ones, and then the Black Lodge or whatever, the left-hand path people, they're the evil ones. And so, You know what? The fact of the matter is, everybody in the Black Lodge think that the White Lodge are the evil ones. And the, and there are all these people on the internet that are, like, railing against the angels and the archangels and the, and the, uh, the solar hierarchies because of this and that and the other thing. The fact of the matter is that the path of the Bodhisattva is the middle path. It's the Tao beyond good and evil beyond white lodge black lodge all that kind of stuff the real ascended masters of the black lodge or sorry the real ascended masters of the white lodge are all bodhisattva they're all bodhisattva they recognize as we do that the black lodge is the adversary not the enemy but no no righteous person, right? All the that that are go railing against the Satanists and railing against this and railing against that. It's like no, they rail against yourself. You don't don't concern yourself about Satanists and evil people and all that stuff out there. Worry about the evil forces inside of you first. Take care of that. Worry about your own individual shaitan. And recognize why it's there and who put it there. And that's why we teach what we teach using the chessboard as an example. When you play a game of chess, your opponent is your adversary, not your enemy. At the end of the game, you shake hands and say, good game. 
That's what it means to be beyond good and evil. And so impressions are the same. There's no, there's no bad impressions, but there's no good impressions. There's just impressions. Bad or good is inside of us. It's, it's our judgment of bad or good. The consciousness doesn't judge bad or good. The consciousness sees things, it is what it is. You see, this is all connected. It's all connected. You can't arrive at a place where you... Because intellectually telling yourself that, oh, I'm beyond good and evil, and there's no such thing as bad or good. Intellectually telling you that does not make it so. And rest assured, observe yourself throughout the day, and you will experience many, 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 many things that you find yourself saying, oh, I hate that. Oh, that's, I don't like that. That's bad. That's terrible. That's this. That's that, right? Oh, but you're beyond good and evil, are you? These are the tricks that the mind plays with us. So this is why transforming impressions is so important because in the transformation of impression that's not in your mind, that's actually in your consciousness, it's actually in your being. Then you get start getting to a place where you become indifferent is not... Indifferent is an accurate way of describing it, but you're not exactly indifferent because indifferent means you don't care. And compassion is the opposite of not caring. So indifferent is, is, not, is not the right word. What you are is... accepting you're allowing you're accepting you're being you're just accepting it is what it is it can't be anything else if someone is ranting and raving at you and angry you're like yeah they're angry Okay, they're angry. And they're angry at me. Why? Because I did something that upset them. So of course they're angry. How could they be anything else other than, other than angry? And if the answer is they should be transforming the impressions, they should be taking the high road, then you say to yourself, well, why aren't they taking the high road? Because they can't. Because if they could, they would. They're, un, they're in the grips of their fear. They're in the grips of their anger. They're possessed by their fear. They're suffering. They're in psychological hell. That's why they're angry. And they were triggered by something that you did or said or didn't do. And now they're taking out their frustrations and their anger on you. And you know what that's like. You know what it's like to be in psychological hell. We all do. We all know what it's like to be in psychological hell. 
use it. Use it. And when you see somebody suffering and they're in psychological hell and they're gripped by fear and they're gripped by rage and they direct that towards you, here's another good one. There but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God am I. Now you're invoking God's grace, the Logos. And grace is the Holy Spirit, the Divine Mother. Grace is associated with Mary and Isis and Athena. That's the Divine Feminine. The Divine Feminine, the Holy Spirit, is grace. That's why we say grace before a meal. Because the meal is a gift. It's the body of the Divine Mother that is being sacrificed for our sake. That food that we're going to digest and those impressions that we're going to experience on the taste buds and the mouthfeel and the aromas and that whole experience of eating a meal, that's all grace. So when someone is coming at you with negativity and 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 anger and fear and all that and they're 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 and they're 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 triggering you say there but for the grace of god go i so if i don't bring grace into the picture i will end up just like him because all of that negativity it's going to trigger me and i'm going to be a mirror for him and we're just going to be two angry fearful frustrated people clawing at each other, gnawing at each other, and yelling and screaming at each other, and maybe even coming to fisticuffs. So what's going to transform that? Grace. Consciousness. Presence. Calmness. Relax. Presence. Allowing. Lightness. Don't take it, don't take it personally. Don't take it serious. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't identify. Never allow yourself to say, I am angry. No, you're not. I'm so angry. You're indulging. You're trapped. You're processing it with, e with ego. You're, you are, you are, your egos are digesting that impression. And in the process, they're digesting you. I feel angry. That's the truth. You can't deny your experience. Nobody's telling you to suppress it. Nobody's telling you to avoid it. I feel so angry and it's causing me this all this tension. What's why am why why am I so angry? Why should I be so what why should I feel this anger? <sighs> Breathe. All right. 
Why am I feeling this? What's causing me to feel this angry? You know where we have to deal with this a lot is when we're working on the computer, as I'm sure many of you can relate to. And the reason why computers lend themselves to fits of rage, like road rage does in the automobile, because many, many, many people suffer from road rage. It's the same thing uh, with the computer, but uh, computer rage can actually be more maddening. But in any case, it's because in both situations, whether you're in a, you're in a car or whether you're on a, on a computer trying to do work, you are trying to get somewhere. You are trying to accomplish something. You're trying to do something. And you are identified and attached to that outcome, that place that you're going or that thing that you're trying to get done or that thing that you want to get done. And whether it's an automobile or a computer, both of those uh, devices lend themselves to the promotion of instant gratification. You press a button, something happens. Turn the wheel, something happens. Press the gas, the car goes. Press the brake, the car stops. Instant gratification. Control. You are in control when you drive. And on the computer, in theory, the user is the one who is supposed to be in control. In practice, we discover that computers have a way of, they have a mind of their own. They have a way of doing things that all of a sudden just, it just makes no sense why, why it's that way. And then all of a sudden you have this huge roadblock in front of you. Right? It's like a traffic jam that you run into when you get into a computer glitch that you can't, that you can't get past. And that's what that's road rage. It's the same thing. And yes, we recognize, you know, you're trying to get to the hospital, your wife is in labor, uh, you know, it, th things happen and there are reasons why, or you're 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 trying to get your uh, your report done on time, you know, you know, your, your class is in an hour and you still have five pages to write of your uh, final essay uh, or your boss is expecting the report on his desk at noon and you're trying to finish the, uh, the spreadsheet and Excel, Microsoft Excel, just is, it's, it's glitching out on you and it just won't do this column and the column won't do the thing that it's trying to do or the formatting is wrong or, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. When some tool or vehicle or whatever, we, we, we're, we're on a tight deadline and then, and then it, it's, it's, Murphy's law, right? <laughs> Murphy's law. We're on a tight deadline. We need to get, get somewhere. We need to get st something done. And then something breaks down. Something gets in our way. And then pff, 
right? We've all been there. How do you transform that impression? We've tried um, to give you some examples and give you some, some tools, some tricks is not the right word, but strategies. And we, uh, we hope that uh, you can put them into practice. But you have to practice. This is a core practice. You have to do it. You won't know what we've been, what we've really been talking about until you really start practicing it. And you need to be able to try to bring that presence of mind that, and that presence of consciousness that you, you can experience in meditation, try to bring that as much as possible to these moments. That's why meditation is important because meditation is like working out in the gym so that when you have to live lift heavy things you don't pull your back and you don't strain things you don't pull things you don't hurt yourself why because you have lots of practice lifting heavy things <laughs> and you've been building muscles to prepare you for for that that's why athletes train so that when they get to competition, they're prepared. Meditation prepares you for the transformation of impressions, especially psychological judo. And we'll talk again more. We'll, we'll talk again about psychological judo uh, more specifically when we cover meditation in, in uh, one of our next. It might even be on Friday. It might even be our next live stream because we're going to be going through the core practices that we listed last week. We said we're going to be doing them in more detail on transformation of impressions because it's um, it's so underutilized. It's it's it gets so little um, airtime. And there's so many people who, because they don't practice transformation of impressions, they've studied all the books, they do all the meditation, they do all the yoga, they even practice sexual alchemy, but because they don't practice transformation of impressions, they're getting nowhere. Well, or they may be getting somewhere, but where they're getting is awakening negatively. Their awakening is demons. Even Master Samael said, there's only two outcomes for Gnostics, for people on the path. There's only two outcomes. Either you will awaken as a master, or you will awaken as a demon. Because somebody doing all the practices, but not working on their ego, and not transforming the impressions, and you see people like this. You see spiritual people who really, really quickly lose their temper, and they're self-righteous, and they're uh, and they and they go and they're you know, it's all about me, 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 I, 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 I. 
all the time. That's the other thing about transformation of impressions, which I guess we should we should emphasize is that when you are transforming impressions, there really is no I. There's no I involved. There's no I really like this or I don't like this or I want there's no I getting in the way. So that is important to remember. You can still have the sense of self, but it's not an I, right? The self that you sense when you're transforming impressions, when you're in conscious and awake and present, it's this, you're feeling yourself, you're feeling your innermost is what you're feeling. that presence but your eyes your egos are not um active so or or if they are they're acting up but you are transforming those impressions too so when someone's confronting you you're not thinking about you when they're confronting you if anything, you're more concerned about them. When you're transforming impressions, you are a servant of others. And you're a servant of your innermost being and a grateful servant. A grateful junior servant of the head of the household who is your divine mother a grateful servant a grateful junior servant of the of the head mistress of the house and so everyone who who comes into your circle they're like your customer they're like your guest And you should try to be like Lumiere in, uh, in, in Beauty and the Beast, who has that song, right? Be our guest. And he's like, it's like, well, she's our guest. doesn't matter what she does or what she says or whatever. Well, she's our guest. We have to treat her with respect. We have to treat her with dignity. Speaking of respect and dignity, which just comes into my mind, one of the hardest impressions to transform is lust. Now, this is a, especially relevant for men when we encounter a beautiful woman or a lustful image. Um, and if our mind tends to want to start uh, indulging that uh, visualizations or, you know, fantasies or, you know, what have you, or just, or just the, just the simple image of a beautiful woman in a swimsuit on the beach or whatever the case may be. 
here's a tactic or strategy to help us transform that impression. And that is to remember our Divine Mother. If you, <clears throat> you can also look at her as your own mother or as your sister. But if you, if you remember that she is an expression of the Divine Feminine, she's an expression of your Divine Mother. You can say a Hail Mary. Um, and <clears throat> sometimes it's difficult to do because <clears throat> like you can't, it's very difficult to transform impressions of a woman who's being overtly sexual, who's being overtly scandalous, like who's, who's, who's playing the vixen and he's just trying, who's, who's going out of her way to, um, to play the role of the naughty girl, the naughty woman, right? So it's very difficult to say, to, to say, to remember your divine mother when a woman is behaving that way. Right, like a like a stripper on stage, or like a you know, but when it comes to normal everyday life and normal regular women, even ones you encounter on the beach or in the summertime when they're wearing their you know very little clothing or they're wearing those tight clothing or the yoga pants or whatever and you're encountering them and just remember your divine mother remember that they're an expression of the divine feminine and and you will immediately shift into a place where you can deal with them with dignity and respect and not as a sexual object, not as an object of your desire, not as an object of lust. So that's that's uh, also a very useful tactic. Um, again, related to self-remembering, right? Well, we talked about that earlier. So if we remember our Divine Mother and, and thank her for uh, and show gratitude for the test and the trial and the, and the ordeal. This is a slight variation of remembering our Divine Mother. Only this time, we're remembering that the Divine Mother is everywhere, and that everybody's the, 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 the whole, all of nature is the body of the Divine Mother. So is that beautifully, beautiful, scantily clad body on the beach that that we're suddenly and strikingly attracted to and it's and it's kindling all sorts of lustful thoughts well that too is the body of the divine mother and put that keep that and and let that wash over us and put it put it back into perspective Does anyone have any questions? 
for uh, comments. Anyone have any other ideas or notions about how what other strategies might might be beneficial as we are going through our day and trying to deal with the uh, the impressions that we face? Because if you don't, if no one has any comments or questions, then um, then uh, we may just uh, decide to wrap things up. Because I think we've covered just about all there is to cover. Um, if anything comes to mind over the next few minutes, we'll let you know. But as we mentioned. Tonight, supposedly, this was being live streamed on Twitter, um, but we're not sure if we're going to keep this Twitter thing up. We think it's probably just going to be more work than anything else, and we don't know what benefit uh, we can derive from it truly. I think we'd rather just focus on Facebook and Instagram and, um, and YouTube. I think there's plenty of work there. And at least we can do things of value. Twitter, the only thing we can do is like we can we can use it as a distribution platform. But if nobody if nobody follows us, if nobody knows we exist on Twitter, and nobody follows us on Twitter, then what's really the point? And the other thing is that we don't want to spend the time using Twitter to try to gain followers on Twitter. So anyway, we're sort of speaking out loud. Okay, so you'll continue to see some interesting posts coming from us, new, new, different, new, um, new designs and new approaches. Um, uh, we encourage you to uh, comment and like and share as always. And uh, if you haven't, please subscribe and uh, click the notification bell on our YouTube channel because we're going to have some videos coming out as well over the uh, over the coming uh, over the coming uh, days and weeks. So thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to call it a night. Uh, thank you again, and uh, hopefully we'll see you Friday. Um, inverential peace. Have a good night.